When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, and to our Friday Five show on Friday, the 1st of March, 2024. My name is Rich Ferrara, and in a few minutes, we'll hear from the Maradona of the Midlands as we discuss the midweek FA Cup defeat to Manchester United, uh, in which Forest fell to a last-minute goal from Casemiro. Uh, many Forest fans saying it was a spirited display. Other people saying, well, you know what, it was not the best match of football. Uh, we will leave you to make up your own minds. Before we do any of that, let's head over to the 1865 News Desk. Hi, this is Jamie Martin with your top five Forest stories from the 1865 News Desk. Now the headline to this week's news, Nottingham Forest are set to launch their PSR defence next week. Just last month, Forest learned that they had breached profitability and sustainability rules in the Premier League and had lost too much. Given this, they will be given the chance to eventually launch a defence against the charge, which the Telegraph's John Percy says will start next week. Led by Nick DeMarco KC, a leading sports lawyer, Nottingham Forest will seek to defend themselves against the charge, with the likely outcome, according to many reputable journalists, being a points deduction. The severity of such a deduction is unknown, but the indicators point to a less severe deduction, possibly under six points. The case will be concluded by April 15th, with that date also including any appeal made by Forest regarding the independent committee's decision. More updates are expected in the following weeks. Now, Nottingham Forest AFCON finalist remains sidelined with injuries. Now, Nottingham Forest AFCON players, including two winners of the tournament, remain out with injury and did not make the squad for the game against Manchester United. Ibrahim Sangare, Willy Bolly, and Ola Aina all returned from AFCON the best part of a week and a half ago, with Sangare and Bolly champions and Aina coming short with his Nigerian counterparts in the final, despite an overall good tournament. For the fullback. Now, Nuno Espirito Santo spoke to the BBC and informed them that all three players would be out for the foreseeable future. Bolly and Aina's situation is largely unknown, whereas Sangari is known to be struggling with a knee injury and is likely to return 
in March. Huge blows for Forrest, who ideally could do with the experience in midfield and another option slash challenger for the left fullback position with Nuno Tavares currently out injured and set to be so for the next two to three weeks. Now, in transfer news, Atletico Madrid have registered an interest in Murillo. Murillo is a star for Nottingham Forest since his arrival at the club, starting week in, week out, despite having only 13 professional appearances before signing for the East Midlands club back in the summer. Given his star status, all the teams are catching on, notably one of those in the Spanish division, Spanish giants Atletico Madrid, who, according to the media outlet Relevo, have registered interest in the Brazilian centre-back. And just recently, John Percy revealed that Forrest believe Murillo is worth significantly more than Brennan Johnson, who sold for £47.5 million to Tottenham Hotspur in September. Despite the interest, no formal approach has been made yet, and the likelihood is that, without the sale of a major star, Atletico's financial issues would dictate that they cannot sign a player of Murillo's calibre and price tag. Now, some Nottingham Forest staff-related news. Forest goalkeeping coach departs the club. In some internal news this week, one of Nottingham Forest goalkeeping coaches, the head goalkeeping coach, has departed after the arrival of Nuno Espiritu Santo and his coaching staff. Danny Alcock, a goalkeeping coach, joined Nottingham Forest following the arrival of then-manager Steve Cooper back in September 2021. Coaching keepers such as Bree Samba, Kaylon Navas, Dean Henderson and others along the way. Now with the new manager at the helm, Mr Alcock has departed the club wishing Forrest every success going forward, but now seeking a new challenge for himself. Rui Barbosa, a former Rio Ave player, follows Nuno Espiritu Santo as the new goalkeeping coach for the club, a position he has held at every club since Nuno Espiritu Santo has been managing, a loyal servant to Nuno. And finally, in this week's news, Forrest depart the FA Cup after gruelling last-minute goal. This week, the Reds faced off against the Red Devils, a side which, for the majority, has beaten Nottingham Forest in the games they've faced them in. But nobody will forget the magic that erupted in the city ground in the previous fixture where Forrest came out victorious, winning by two goals to one. On this occasion, however, despite a strong performance, Forrest failed to put their chances away. Tao Wanyi looking a bit off pace, likely still a bit unfit after surgery on his groin. Despite the performance, a set-piece goal was Forrest's undoing and Fernandez placed the ball near the near post and Casemiro headed it home. A frustrating end to a nail-biting fifth-round tie between Manchester United and Nottingham Forest. Forest now face Liverpool on Saturday on the back of a Carabao Cup final win for Liverpool and a victory against Southampton led by academy graduates. But if Forest play as they did against United, it could be a more evenly matched game than many expect. That's the latest from the 1865 News Desk. I'm Jamie Martin. Be sure to catch up with me on social media via at I'm Jamie Martin on Twitter. Updates on Nottingham Forest related news throughout the week. Take care and speak to you soon. Thank you so much, Jamie. And uh, Married on the Midlands, uh, welcome to you. And let's start off by talking about uh, the Wednesday night's defeat in the FA Cup. Uh, Forrest put out a relatively strong team, but with some changes. Most notably, Matt Turner was in between sticks. Uh, Nico Williams and Harry Toffolo at fullback and Felipe and Murillo at centre-half. The defensive midfield slots were taken up by Ryan Yates and Danilo, and Divock Origi and Anthony Alanga were either side of Morgan Gibbs-White supporting Taiwo Awanyi. Now, obviously the headlines are that it was an 89th minute goal by Casemiro, another instance of Forrest conceding a soft set piece and then defending softly from it to allow the opposition to score. 
However, I would say in the first half in particular, and actually some some neutrals who I who I work with were today saying Forest looked like the better team in the first half. Um, but the second half was really quite a scrappy affair, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I think both sides had their opportunities in the first half. Um, I remember McTominay for United and there was another one as well. They had another chance. Um, and Forrest, we we had two or three decent chances. Divo Carigi was possibly playing his best game for Forrest uh, so far. He looked uh, very lively and uh, showed Amrabat to clean a clean set of heels when he ran past him. Um, and got his shot in. Unfortunately, all of our shots were straight at um, Onana, the United goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he, if they maybe sliced their shots a little bit or scuffed them and one bit wider, we maybe would have been one nil up going into half time. Second half, we didn't really turn up. I think we had that one one chance again from Origi, and then Taiwo had a, a chance. But apart from that, we were pretty pretty anonymous um, during that second period. Um, but. <laughs> I think, think we sort of probably deserved a crack at extra time at least. It was it was a cruel blow to concede so late on. Yeah, so um a few talking points that I would I would talk about. So firstly, Matt Turner came into goal. Uh, we don't know what happened to Sells because he wasn't even on the bench. So it was uh, Turner in goal and Odysseus on the bench. I'm going to repeat a theory that I have mentioned on this podcast before, which is I think that Nuno probably quite likes Matt Turner. Uh, but he wants, you know, he knew that while Turner was having this wretched run of form and uh, wretched run of luck, that he knows that he had to relieve him of those duties. It doesn't seem as though Nuno has faith in Odysseus. So in came Sells. But Turner looked um, much more solid for the break, I thought. He made one good save in particular from McTominay, as you mentioned. And also, there weren't too many scary moments, even with the ball at his feet, and and the defence didn't look too scared to pass the ball back to him. So one of the things that we often hear about professional footballers is that when they are in that run of games, you know, a game every week or a game every two weeks, there's not much time to work work on things. I think the time out of the first team has given Turner a bit of time to work on the ball at his feet. What do you think? Yeah, maybe. Um, he just It didn't look as jittery. Maybe the fact there was a cup game rather than um, the all-encompassing Premier League games where everything matters so much and it's every point is so vital and the pressure's really on. Maybe that helped him relax a little bit as well. Um, he, yeah, he, he looked fine with with the ball at his feet even. Um even the crowd didn't seem that nervous when it was being passed back to him. Whereas a few weeks ago, every time it, it went back to him, we were fearing the worst. And to quote our very own Tom, he was saying that when the ball goes back to him, he looks away because he's just waiting for the opposition crowd to cheer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, yeah, he made some excellent saves in that first half, especially. And he's a bit unlucky with the way the goal went in. It just, I mean, a, a sort of real sort of deflection. He could have gone anywhere. He could have bounced into his chest he could have bounced onto his knee but just to go between his legs it was, it was a bit of bad luck yeah and I don't I don't think any blame is attached to the keeper for that goal uh let's talk about the goal because Morgan Gibbs White put a screen grab of the uh alleged offside that VAR checked for a good couple of minutes and he that the screen grab was also comparing it to the Liverpool goal that didn't count in the Carabao Cup final at the weekend I think that's a little bit of a red herring don't you 
I do. I mean, the controversy at the weekend was that people were complaining that it was, it was ridiculous that it was ruled out uh, because, of, because of where Van Dyke was. And so to have a, a complete 180 degree flip for when it's against us now, say it's ridiculous that it wasn't ruled out. It's, I think it, it, was, it was a bit harsh on Liverpool at the weekend. Um, he wasn't really interfering with the um, where Casemiro was. Uh, so I think and that's where they, um, I was going to say drew the line, but I don't mean drew the, not the literal line. <laughs> not literally, no. Yeah, and they, that's, that's what stopped them from um, probably ruling it out because uh, even though, I, I mean, I saw the, re- I was a bit too disappointed to watch it properly last time, but today when I saw the replay, he did push um, Felipe. Felipe over. Yeah. And I thought yeah. that was maybe... They could have, if they wanted to. I thought to, that was a foul, yeah. I, they could have ruled it out for that rather than anything to do with offside or anything. But I think, And I think the argument with regard to Sunday's decision in the Carabao Cup final is just that VAR doesn't seem to make the same decision twice. Well, um, that's no. never going to happen, yeah. Because like, it's, it's, it's still in the opinion of the referee. Yeah. And everybody's got a different opinion. I, I, I can see one thing and think it's not a penalty. And everybody else is here and say it is a penalty. It's I mean, just... what I would say is that when Alanga committed the foul, which I think was, he looked tired. It was a tired foul. It was one of those where he made a challenge and he got it wrong and ended up standing on the player. So no qualms with the free kick being given. But as soon as that was given, I just thought we might concede from this. And 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 sure enough, we did. And And it's that weakness from set pieces again, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've seen it pointed out on the TV coverage that there's only a one-man one man wall um and not enough cover on the near post which it just it, and the third factor was that they were very deep they could have so they were saying on the tv they should have maybe pushed out onto the 18 yard line made made it a lot harder for him to uh ping the ball in um all the, all those seem like good points to me and i'm not sure why, why why we wouldn't have put those into practice uh maybe tiredness i don't know maybe just Nuno doesn't like to do those things when, on, on defending set piece from that area. I just don't know. But it, yeah, it, it was easily avoidable. And um, it seems as though we still haven't solved that problem. Uh, a couple of other things that I want to mention to do with Forrest. So number one is that uh, Nuno has been has shown that he doesn't make subs unnecessarily, but he's not scared to make them when he needs to. So, for example, at the weekend, he took off Felipe and Murillo at halftime uh, and made a triple sub at halftime. And what he did do, though, was he made the subs very late in terms of bringing on, uh, taking off Yates and Danilo and bringing on Reina and... Uh, What's his name? Ribeiro. <laughs> I was going to call him Rodriguez. It's Rodrigo Ribeiro. Um, and uh, and I was thinking we needed to change something maybe about 10 minutes before that. Um, we'd already brought on Hudson-Odoi, but but there, we, there, we weren't getting out of our half enough and we needed something to bring on a bit of attacking impetus. So I was thinking, well, that's the time to maybe drop Gibbs-White into the middle of the park and put on Rayner to play as a number 10 and to kind of add a kind of more of a coherent way through. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I was I was think, sitting there thinking after an hour we need to make some changes because um, Taiwo looked spent at that at that point. Um, Origi and Alanga disappeared for for huge periods of the second half. Um, so I, I was thinking fresh legs there, but I think maybe um, the prospect of extra time um, Swade is thinking there, thinking that maybe we've got an extra another half an hour on top of of the uh, ninety, and then. You, you want some fresh legs to come on then. Yeah. Um, 
is yeah, it was it, yeah. They need they needed freshening up, but there wasn't a great deal on the bench apart from Hudson Odoi. Yeah. Um, in terms of experience attacking uh, players, yeah. Was, I mean, certainly, I, I was surprised to see Taiwo play ninety minutes. And if we had gone into extra time, presumably, maybe the intention would have been if he had had to bring on Ribeiro to bring him on instead of Taiwo. Um, which is why I was surprised to see Origi start, because I'd have thought Origi would have come on for Taiwo or vice versa, um, maybe given it's a cup match. So I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, let's talk about some of the other refereeing talking points. Um, do we all agree that the Rashford incident wasn't a penalty, even though United fans on social media are crying about it? Yeah, there's, there's nothing in that. They just closed the door. It's just uh, didn't let him go past. I mean, you're allowed to do that. You, you, you don't have to say, well... We don't have to say, but we often have said it in the in the past. Is after you clawed to the attacking player and let him just wave him straight through. So it's nice to see us uh, enforcing the defence a little bit more. And that's probably why Felipe has been chosen alongside Murillo to kind of add that little bit of steel and experience and know how in those instances. Um, We'll come back to the uh, the experienced Brazilian in just a minute. But the other thing I want to say, uh, and Fulham fans and Fulham, the club, have had something to say about this, uh, which is Bruno Fernandes's uh, tendency to go down like he's broken his leg and then stand up just 30 seconds later. And he was at it on several occasions last night. And I don't understand how he didn't get booked, not for the dies, but for a clear pullback on Yates, which is a revenge, revenge uh, foul. Um, it's yeah. really frustrating as a football fan, isn't it? And again, United fans crying about it and Ten Hag crying about it, saying Fernandez deserves protection. You yeah. you understand why people get really frustrated with referees when players like Fernandez get away with it again and again and again. Yeah, I mean, the whole crowd is really frustrated with him. He just seems such a cynical sort of weaselly player. Um, if you give it, you've got to take it, and that yeah, he doesn't. It's just... It just uh, the, the thing about the whole thing about the whole Man United team is, that I was sitting there thinking, this is a, a very, very pale imitation of a Manchester United team. They, I mean, does what maybe a cigarette paper's width between them and us in terms of quality. Which, when you consider how much money they spend and what how big a club they are and their aspirations, it's embarrassing for them. Uh, that their players have very little heart, very little desire, and the thing that really surprises, very little aggression. Um, apart from you're going to say very little ability. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they've got ability. Players like yeah. you know Casemiro, Rashford, they've all got ability. But it's 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 putting that in. When you think back to when when we were young men growing up in the nineties, and the player they had players like Ince and Keane and Scholes and Butt, really aggressive, nasty players who could really put it in, but reworked. Um, and and you see none of that now. And you see, I'm sitting there thinking, even those games in the League Cup when they used to just throwing the kids they were better than this team mm. so that's what that's partly what makes it so frustrating that we lost to them because they're, they're rubbish <laughs> well I, I was thinking yeah I mean you mentioned that cigarette paper and I was thinking especially in the first half but even in the second half when United probably were the better team you just thought well we're relegation threatened and they're top half of the table and and there's there's nothing between us and and that was what was like you say what was frustrating about about the end result um speaking of aggression let's give a word to the moment right at the end uh when felipe was investigated by var for seemingly having his hands around fernandez's neck and Presumably, the result was that VAR said there's not enough there for a red card, so the ref couldn't really review it because VAR can only 
refer red card incidents rather than yellow card incidents or a stern word? Yeah, um, I guess because wasn't that there wasn't a, a thrusting motion, I guess, mm. um, or a uh, a uh, kung fu blow to the to the throat to um, make make Fernandez collapse. I think I guess I guess it's just a strangle strangle is just fine. I guess a, a gentle strangle. Um, yeah. But um, maybe they felt sorry for us. It wasn't wasn't like a fifth minute. Well, so. Again, United fans crying on social media say talking about the Casemiro uh, red card against Will Hughes, where Casemiro had his hands around Hughes's neck. I would say that the, if there is a difference, and I'm possibly clutching at straws here, if there is a difference, is that Casemiro had him round the neck, whereas Felipe just put his hands around Fernandez's neck. If you see what I mean, um, so there was maybe more aggression in what Casemiro's actions, whereas Felipe literally just put his hands around his neck. There was no, he didn't appear to be squeezing. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's more of a maybe a, a lover's uh, strangle rather than a Homer Simpson to Bart. I'll kill you, boy. So it was a disappointing result, and uh, yeah, it's. But on the other hand, you know, there are some Forest fans who are going into the match going, it "Doesn't matter if we if we don't win because we can concentrate on the league, and that's what we're doing now." Personally, I believe that uh, winning breeds confidence, so I'm disappointed we didn't get the results. We'll be back in just a minute to talk about Jamie's top five news stories. The 1865 Match Report. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're pleased to announce that this episode of 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Forest fixture over the 23-24 season. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter where you're based, you can catch every single minute of the action. If you download the Green King Sport app, you won't just get 10% off all drinks anytime there's a match on the TV, but this month there's also free Guinness to be won and the chance to win one of six holidays. And you'll be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Now it's back to your podcast. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Welcome back to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast with me, Rich Ferraro and the Maradona of the Midlands. And we just want to bring you back to the news bulletin that Jamie Martin brought us in part one. And the first story that came up is obviously the one that dominates uh, the forest discourse at the moment, which is the defence against the PSR uh, breach that Forest are have brought in Nick DeMarco KC to help with. Um it seems a done deal that we're going to get a points deduction. The question being how much and and the cat's been put amongst the pigeons by Everton's previous 10 point deduction being reduced to six on appeal. And I think some of those grounds for appeal and some of the mitigating circumstances may work in Forrest's favour if the uh, if we're reading the tea leaves correctly, Maradona. Yeah, I think so. Um, that seems to be now the set tariff, sort of six points. 
Um, I've heard some people say it's only going to be two points or three points, but but nobody really knows. I mean, even the people in the commission don't really know. That's why it's gone from suddenly being 10 points to six points. Um, I so mean, it's almost as if they're making it up as they go along. Well, it is almost as if they're making it up. I mean, there's, in the judgment, uh, um, appeal of judgment for Everton, uh, there was some reference made to that it should be based on a, on a tariff like the Football League system, uh, which is sort of proportionate of how far over you've gone. Um, and that's something I thought was a good idea, sort of percentage-wise, percentage number of points. Um, percent um, related to the percentage amount you went over, and if it's based over a three-season period, you put put the percentage, uh, the average number of points over those three seasons. But um, that seems too easy for the Premier League. So, but nobody really knows what's going to happen. But I guess I guess the uh, mark has been set now, so around about six points, I guess. Um, and six points, of course, would be enough to stick us deeply in in the relegation zone. Uh, if it's three points, I think people would feel a little bit more optimistic. And what's very clear is that we've got matches against basically the other bottom five teams around us still to come. So on a very simple equation, if we get 15 points from those matches, whether that's doable or not, if we get 15 points from those matches, we'll be okay. And if we get a lot less, then we probably won't, uh, regardless of deductions or not, I would have thought. Yeah, I mean, we... I mean, just the number of games we've won this season isn't really, in a normal season, probably wouldn't be enough to to keep you up anyway. It would put you in a relegation battle. Um, so if we can't get sort of maximum points from the games against Sheffield United, Luton, Burnley, Everton, or not maximum points in all of them, but at least in some of them, we probably deserve to go down a little bit, really, just because of that. Because if you can't beat those teams, what are you doing in the Premier League? And... In that case, are we thinking that we are disappointed that we've not kicked on this season or we're putting it down to second season syndrome plus a bit of naivety with, with the way that the spending has gone? Yeah, no, I think we all we all expected at least mid-table this season. I thought, thought that was a realistic as, um, aspiration. Um, but it's it's all gone a little bit awry, hasn't it? Um... <laughs> I mean, I was talking to a uh, someone who I work with who isn't a fan of any Premier League club. is is, is staunchly neutral actually when it comes to uh, when it comes to football, and they were saying that. Well, in in as part of the conversation, we we're saying that if you think about it, in recent Premier League history, Brentford are pretty much the only club who have managed to establish themselves in the Premier League without doing it as a yo-yo team. Because uh, Brighton did it, Fulham have done it, Bournemouth have done it. And so in that sense, it wouldn't be a massive surprise for us to go down if you just look at the general historical trend. Yeah, I think the thing that skewed it all is the transfer spend, um, especially this summer. That's that's a raised expectations, and and the same with every other season that's ever been in, in football history. Uh, the success of your transfers determines how how well you're going to do, and not enough of them have worked out that well this season. Um, some players have played well in some games and then not well for huge patches of the season. Um, Origi, we've only really seen the best in the past two games. Um, yeah. Tavares, nothing from him up until about last month. And all these players were, were the reason why we suddenly had a burst of expectation. Those that deadline, day, deadline, day, deadline day signings where 
we suddenly thought, oh, we've got a decent option instead of uh, Taiwo in a year. Oh, we've got uh, Tavares here. He, he might have some extra quality. And I'm then... just going to go back to something that I've said before, which is I think that if you're making numerous signings on deadline day, that's a sign of a lack of strategy. And regular listeners all know how I feel about Forest transfer strategy. So, uh, yeah, um, let's move on. Um, the... Speaking of squads, the AFCON players are still out and, and Nuno's not putting a time frame on it. I think we are we are a bit hurt by that, aren't we? And we have been a bit hurt by by their absence. Um, having sold Mangala, I think the expectation was Sangare would get more of a run out, add a bit of something to the midfield. But most notably in the fullback positions, I think we are struggling at left back without Aina. Uh, Nico Williams is doing really well. Toff put in a couple of really lovely crosses against Man United, but defensively, I think, still think he's getting found out at this level. And also, um, if you think about it, that 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 kind of extra height and steel that Willy Bolly offers. So although we've got options in all of those positions, I think we look weaker for them being missing. Yeah, I mean the bench bench looks weaker, and that that's that's so often the determining factor in a match, um, the changes you can make. Um, say last night if we could bring on Sangari, um, in so after an hour it could have made a huge difference. He could have gone on there and, and sort of dominated the match. But um, yeah, the more options you have, the better. Um, and yeah, we have missed Olain a little bit. Uh, Bolly, well, Felipe and Morello doing well at the moment, but um, apart from against Villa, I suppose. <laughs> but, <laughs> but then but yeah, were, were they were they hamstrung by the decision to play near Carte left back, et cetera, et cetera. Now yeah. I'm going to move on to the next story um, as we, uh, as you mentioned, Murillo, which is the idea that Atletico Madrid, Felipe's former club, are interested in signing the young Brazilian. Um, and the speculation that he would be sold, if he was to be sold, would be considerably more than Brennan Johnson's price tag. I mean, I would say that, uh, his value has definitely gone up in multiples, hasn't it? And although whisper it, I didn't think he was all that last night. I thought Felipe was by far the better of the two centre-halves. Um, and I think that Murillo's looking a little bit tired because an English season is, is quite hard work if you're not used to it. Yeah, I mean, when he came in, I think we all thought he'd be one for the future. He might, might make the odd appearance this season. So, but to see how he's performed this season has been uh, remarkable, really. Um, he, he does make mistakes, um, but there's nobody, I guess there's nobody better than Diego Simeone to uh, um, drill them out of him. Um, but the thing that about him is his natural ability um, and being on the ball and his size, I suppose, as well as a centre-half. He's a good size. He's got pace. So he's got everything you really need from a, a central defender. He's just lacking a bit of experience and uh, game know-how, which is obvious because he hasn't played much football, much professional football in his life so far. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I expect lots of teams will be looking at him. I don't know if not many teams are going to be able to afford a transfer fee, sort of even in the region of Jet Brennan Johnson's uh, fee last summer. Um, so that, that might, that might hobble a move if, he, if he's mm. interested in a move. I hear uh, Olympiacos are interested. Yeah, uh, but you'd expect Forrest to be talking him up and saying we want so much money because, um, you know, that, that pushes up the price. Well, quite. Uh, I mean, I guess the the potential uh, criticism of Murillo in terms of his actual ability so far is maybe the lack of height. And, and crucially, you can get away with a lack of height if you've got a good spring on you. But his centre of gravity is so low that even when he jumps, it doesn't really he's gain He's a much. big old unit. Yeah, he's, he's chunky. 
he must be 14 stone or something at least and so getting up uh yeah, take, take a lot of spring in his boots doesn't it um let's move on uh we talked about matt turner earlier and talked about how he looked a bit more comfortable um i don't know if the departure of danny alcock as the uh, head goalkeeping coach has anything to do with an upturn in goalkeeping fortunes i suspect it's more simply that nuno wanted to bring in his own man in uh rui barbosa don't you yeah i mean he brought in his his own team straight away, didn't he? And um, he's he's obviously comfortable working with them, um, and that that's it's just a normal thing when a manager changes. The uh, coaching team normally moves on as well, so that, I don't think there's anything too sinister in that. And um, that takes us. Uh, we've already discussed the Man United defeat, but uh, as Jamie mentioned, obviously Liverpool uh, won the Carabao Cup. With with a bunch of kids on the pitch, they won in the FA Cup on Wednesday with a bunch of kids starting, including apparently all the children of every championship footballer of the noughties. And um, it seems as though, you know, they stick the kids in and yet they're still pretty imperious. Uh, what do you think that means for Forrest at the weekend? I think it's going to be a tough game. Um, they're playing those kids. They might be young, but they've got to be in the Liverpool Academy. You've got to be some of the best young players in the country. They they'll get the first pick of a lot of players um, up and down the land, um, and they're playing. So they've got the ability, and they're playing with sort of that youthful energy and enthusiasm, which um, Klopp's teams always have that energy and enthusiasm. But they they've got sort of a bit of an extra burst of it because they're young as well. Uh, so it's not going to be an easy game. It's going to be a, a pretty tough game as well for us. And look, a lot of our players look tired after yeah. last night. So, yeah, um, I was I was going to say I thought that the, the Forest team generally looked a bit knackered because even players who haven't played that much, like Felipe, well, it, it's it's quite a slog, isn't it? So you're getting back to fitness. Felipe has not played many minutes at all. Tywo's coming back from having an operation. There's a lot of players out there who look dead on the feet. I think the fullbacks were probably the most energetic looking, uh, Williams and Toffolo. But uh, again, you know. I, and Williams is actually playing really, really well at the moment, both defensively and and going forward. But equally, if Forrest do play with Felipe on against Liverpool, having young players running at him, that's where I'd worry a little bit because Felipe didn't have a huge amount of pace anyway. And he's, you know, you always worry about an old defender getting the runaround from people who are young enough to be his son. Well, not quite, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think... It's just—it's all about positioning with it, Felipe. Um, as you say, he's never been the quickest, but he just—he just knows where to go. He just stands in the way and blocks it. He does one one challenge last night, I think, in the first half, where he just sort of slid it over and just blocked blocked the path of uh, one of the United players. Um, so it's all all in it all in his head. The first ten yards are in his head, as they say. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a tough game. I mean, yeah, a special mention for Nico Williams. I, I didn't think he played this well um, after last season. I, I didn't think he was he was good going forward, but I didn't think he could defend. So um, I'm I'm very pleasantly surprised to see how well he's playing this season. And again, harking back to comments that we've made uh, between us on the pod before, is that. Uh, Montiel is simultaneously really good and really bad, whereas Nico seems to have found a level of consistency that he hadn't had up to this point in his Forest career. Would you agree? Yeah, a hundred percent. He's um, he's just a, I don't know, it's a maturity. I guess he was a young player playing in the Premier League for the first time last season as well. So we maybe were a bit harsh on him, and there's a lot of naivety 
um, around. And, and Brennan Johnson didn't really help out defensively much either. <laughs> He's one of my bugbears about his his uh, performances last season. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really impressed with him at the moment. Mm, OK, so um, would you foresee many team changes or is the squad too thin at the moment to allow that? And we're just going to have to keep keep plowing on with the same with the same sort of top 14 players, I guess. Yeah, I think probably Dominguez comes in, having, having had a rest the other night. Um, Callum Hudson-Odoi comes in uh, and then the rest of it is pretty much going to be as it was, I think. it's. Um... Do you reckon there's room for Gio Reyna maybe on one of the wings, if not as number 10? No, I don't think so. I don't, mm. I don't see why we signed him. <laughs> I honestly don't understand why we signed a player who can't get into the Borussia Dortmund scene, who's that young. And I don't know. I was just just not the sort of player you need in a relegation battle. I'm assuming it was because Gibbs White's fitness was still uh, in doubt at that particular time. Um, I say, we'll see if he gets a chance. It looks as though when he does, it's when we're chasing the game. And there have been a couple of occasions now, isn't it, when Gibbs White's dropped into a number eight position uh, to allow Rayner to play as a 10. Um, but we'll see. And we will be back uh, after the weekend match against Liverpool with a match report. And we'll also have uh, one of our Forest Ramble discussion podcasts coming up in your feed very, very soon. In the meantime, thank you very much to the Marriage on the Midlands. Thank you to the 1865 Podcast on production duties. And most of all, thank you to you, listener, for joining us on 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Come on, you Reds. I hope Mrs. of the Midlands is absolutely fine then. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.